0: thing let's move to our uh, our second uh, uh, honored guest and it again as uh, before gives me great pleasure and honor to uh, invite shri minakshi jain to speak a few words as a guest of honor and before that i will read out a few words about uh, 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 minakshi jain ji so she needs no introduction but nonetheless she is a historian and now retired professor of history at gargi college uh, she was awarded the Padma Shri in 2020, and among her notable works are Parallel Pathways, uh, a book on uh, it's a, it's a book of uh, essays on Hindu-Muslim relations uh, leading up to, I believe, uh, uh, you know, uh, the middle of the 19th century. Then came a tour de force, uh, uh, Rama in Ayodhya in 2013. That uh, still, uh, you know, almost a decade later, is uh, one of those landmark books that set. Uh, and uh, set a narrative and changed a lot of the misconceptions and deliberate distortions that had uh, been perpetrated over the years. If that was not enough, then sati, evangelicals, Baptist missionaries, and the changing colonial discourse that was published in 2016 was an even greater achievement, uh, if I may say so. This was followed by the battle uh, for Rama, case of the temple at Ayodhya, uh, which came out in 2017, and her last book was Flight of Deities and Rebirth of Temples, Episodes from Indian History. This was published in 2019, and this is perhaps one of the most saddening books have, uh, I've read in a long, long time, and this is a sentiment that a lot of people shared in, but it was and it is a book that was uh, much needed, uh, and this also provides me a segue into inviting her to talk on temples, the... Uh, the rebirth of temples as such, and also why a study of uh, temples is important to understand themes such as the cultural harmony in ancient India. So with that, namaskar uh, Minakshi Jainji, and uh,
1: please. Namaskar to everyone. Just holding the book makes you realize it's a collector's item. The pictures are absolutely stunning, as uh, Dr. De Brog has pointed out, but text is also impressive because they have gone through all the scholarly works on this subject by historians like Shivram Murthy and C. Minakshi, and also luminaries who are experts on art history who are present today. So to distill all that information that has been written by scholars over the ages, and to present it in a manner that a general reader can uh, comprehend is a very, very uh, notable contribution. Uh, Thus, most people who go to that site or to these sites will not have the time or the uh, training to appreciate the finer points of every shrine and every statue over there. Now, they can examine all these things in the comfort of their homes. So it's a very, very important contribution. I'm a historian and I look at the larger picture. And what I appreciated most about this book was how far it went to correct the narrative that is taught in our schools and colleges. That narrative, which is the dominant narrative in schools and colleges, is about religious strife. The religions are always at war, and this is the narrative that this book uh, corrects. And uh, I would like to make some points in this regard. One is that Jainism, Buddhism, Hinduism, and all other religions, they had shared common symbols sacred symbols, like Chakra, like Srivatsa, like uh, uh, sacred trees, people, bricks, goddesses like Lakshmi, deities like Ganesh. They all sprang from the soil and they were the heritage of everyone. So all these common sacred symbols were the collective heritage of the people and they were common Jainism, Buddhism, Hinduism. So to go on saying that this was a country which only witnessed religious strife is very wrong. Let me just give some examples. The Dharm Chakra of Buddha was reminiscent of the Sudarshan Chakra of Vishnu. Buddha's pad were worship, so were Vishnu's pad. Buddha was later assimilated as an avatar of Vishnu. Balram and Vasudev were regarded among the Jains as of 63 great eminent personalities. So there was so much sharing and mingling. And i just give some more examples. In early Jain sacred architecture, there were tablets of homage that were made. They are called Ayag Now. Most of them have been found in a play, Jain mound, Kankani Tila, at Mathura. It was thought that Ayag Pattas were a Jain contribution. But Anton Frua, who excavated a Buddhist site in Ramnagar, found Buddhist Ayag Patras at Bareli. So to say that Jainism and Buddhism and Hinduism were always at war is not correct. Second point, stupas, we associate stupas with Buddhism. But Jains and Ajivikas also had stupas. So there is, at Mathura, uh, fragments of an inscription have been found which talk about a Jain stupa. And the Jain and Buddhist stupas were so similar to each other that the uh, Kushan ruler Kanishka, He is actually said to have worshipped at a Jain stupa, thinking that it was a Buddhist stupa. So these kind of books, they emphasize that there is harmony and they're learning from each other. They have given the example of uh, Chalukyas learning from Pallavas, though they were politically at war. And this is a theme that runs through Indian history. You know, the same workmen, the same artisans, the same craftsmen, they were the same people who were making shrines and sculptures for Buddhist and Hindus. So it was not that the Jains had their special uh, sculptors, architects, and the Buddhists had their own, and the Hindus had their own. It was not like that at all. Now, uh, the other thing that I want to say is that religious structures, Of Buddhism, Jainism and Hinduism always existed alongside. Gurpreet and Bharat have given the example of the shore temple where two Shiva shrines and a Vishnu shrine were existing alongside. That is repeated all over the country and I just give uh, two three examples. At Elora the most important shrine is the Kailash temple but total there are 34 cave temples at Elora. Of them, 17 are Hindu, 12 are Buddhist, and 5 Jain. So this pattern of shrines existing alongside is repeated all over the country. At Deogar. Deogar was a temple for the 10 Aftars of Vishnu. But over there, in that temple, we have Shiva, uh, sculptures of Shiva. We have the Pandavs depicted over there. And at that site, we also have so many Jain temples. So this is one point which I liked very much in their book, that the temples of various gods, deities, are existing alongside. And at Khajura, the Jain ministers and the Chandela kings built their temples at the same site. And the temples from the external appearance were so similar, that one could not make out whether it was a Jain temple or a Buddhist or a Vishnu temple or a Shiva temple. And the last point that I want to make is that all these sacred shrines, the donors were ordinary people. It is really amazing that before the coming of the Gupta period, such fabulous temples were the contributions of individual people common people from all walks of life. Uh, In Kankani Tila, the earliest statue that we have found of goddess Saraswati has been given by a metal worker. How do we know that? Because there's an inscription at the base of the the statue in which he says that I'm so and so, this is my profession and I'm giving this thing. So again this flies against the dominant narrative that religion was a means of exploitation of the common people by the people at the top. The actual evidence on the ground does not support this at all. Uh, at the Buddhist sites in Andhra, the donors included monks, nuns, warriors, goldsmiths, and leather workers. At Sanche, to give you one example, there were we have found 631 inscriptions. Only three have some connection with royalty. The donors are weavers, merchants, stonemasons, and ivory workers who had come from Vidisha, they carve a gateway and they gift that to Sanchi. And on that gateway, they've given an inscription that we are from Sanchi, we are ivory workers, we have carved this and we're donating it to uh, the uh, the shrine. And the same thing at Nasik, only of the 23 caves, only two are some way associated with royalty. Last point that I want to make is that at Mathura, none of the statues that have been found so far I've been associated with royalty. That all the gifts and the donations of ordinary people. The Katra sti, uh, sti, image of the Buddha, is one of the most beautiful images of Matra art. It is given by a lady whose name is given over there. And she says, I'm giving it for the benefit of humanity. The Bala Bodhi Sattva is a gift It's a huge statue. It is the gift of a bhikshu along with his parents, his teachers, and students. So what I want to say in conclusion is that when we read books like this, they are a very important contribution because they provide concrete evidence which goes against the narrative in academics, which is a narrative of religion, as a tool of exploitation and religion, as a cause of social strife, what we find on the ground is that ordinary people are the contributors, they are the donors, shrines exist alongside, and it is a picture which we can be aware of only when we read works like those by Gurpreet and Bharat. So I want to congratulate them. And I want to say I'm delighted to hold my copy in my hand and I flip through some pages every day and really wish that I could have produced such a wonderful work. Congratulations. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Menakshi for those kind words. And I think uh, for any author who has written a book on this topic to receive that kind of uh, feedback, encouragement
1: and praise from you is something that uh, they will cherish for a long, long time.